afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever in the world you are. Welcome to the new show. You are listening to your girl Cynthia, but you know you can call me Gigs, and we write you on Active FM where Christ music is hot music. I'm here to give you the lowdown on what's happening in the world around you, from the general news to the markets to the opinions of others and beyond. We looked at the countries that were rating from number 10 all the way to number 5 last week. And this week we are looking at the country that is rating at number 4. So stay tuned for that. And for the discussion panel, I decided I'm going to speak about something different, if I can say. And it's something that has been like major in the headlines and people are taking it personal and all those stuff. But I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. So you have to listen to the discussion panel to know what I'm going to speak about. It's going to be major. So uh, it's going to be a hot show. I mean, it's going to be awesome. But in case you were thinking of where you can catch us, um, we have a couple of uh, platforms, social platforms that you can actually find us. We are on Instagram at ActiveFM777, on Facebook at ActiveFM777. We are on Twitter at ActiveFM. You can also catch us on our website www.activefm.co.za You can also go onto Iono FM and search for ActiveFM and you'll find all the amazing shows for you to download, for you to share, tell everyone you know about ActiveFM. Get the get, get the shows out there. It's awesome. But before we start uh, the news, uh, here are some awesome tracks for you to start your afternoon, morning or evening. Hi, this is Todd White, and you're listening to Active FM, and Christ music is hot music. It's the fire. Jesus' name. Thoughts running round 
opening ourselves up to the truth Brilliant light piercing through the darkness On every side, but not crash, no, no, we strive for eternity. We trust not what we see, the resurrection of Christ revealed through humanity. Press on every side, but not crash, no, no, we strive for eternity. We trust not what we see, the resurrection of Christ revealed through humanity. music is hot hot music and those tracks were just proof of that now we're going to go into our general news Carlos Gossens fight to prove his innocence begins in Tokyo pre-trial hearings began Thursday at the Tokyo District's Court 17th criminal court division kicking off a new phase in a saga that began in November when Gossens was arrested just after landing in Haneda Airport on a private jet Gossam wearing a grey suit didn't say anything before entering courthouse, just before proceedings began at 10am in Tokyo. His detention on allegation ranging from falsifying financial records to redirecting company money into his own accounts shocked the global auto industry. The alliance 
gotten created between Nissan Motor uh, Corporation, Reynolds SA, and Mitsubishi uh, Motors Corporation was shaken to its core. In the half year since, the three-way partnership has moved on. New executives were brought in to restore profitability and navigate through an industry that faced disruption from electrification, self-driving vehicles and new business models from transporting people and good. Garson, 65 years old, is charting a different path. His energy focused on fighting for his uh, freedom, proving his innocence and restoring his reputation. While Gossam may be tempted to bring the same intensity and energy that he brought as Le Coste Killer to Nissan, it's more likely that the pre-trial hearings and trial will be drawn out process with a little drama. The format of argumentation is primarily on paper, not live, said Stephen Givens, a professor of law at Sophia University in Tokyo. In the US, one of the skills that litigators need to have is to be able to think quickly on their feet. There's very, very little of that in Japan. Gossen is facing a total of four charges, which are financial misconduct relating to under-reporting of compensation and income during the fiscal years of 2010 to 2014, financial misconduct relating to under-reporting of compensation and income during the fiscal years of 2015 to 2017, aggravated breach of trust for transactions that allegedly transferred 1.85 billion yen, $16.7 million of Gossen's own personal investment losses to Nissan, and for trans actions in Saudi Arabia totaling 14.7 million dollars that were made from a Nissan unit to another account between June 2009 and March 2012 which allegedly inflicted damage on Nissan. Aggravated breach of trust relating to transaction made in Omen for allegedly moving $5 million from Nissan to a dealership and then into a company he controlled in Lebanon with the money flowing into companies headed by Gosson's wife and son. So, yeah, so those are the allegations against Gosson. For more general news, British steel collapses in fresh blow to UK heavy industry. British Steel Limited's three-year run as a company ended on Wednesday, putting 5,000 jobs at risk and piling fresh uh, misery on the UK's manufacturing base. The company was put into liquidation by the UK High Court, which appointed Ernest and Young to manage the process. Despite last-minute pleas for government rescue and pressure from labor lawmakers and unions to nationalize the steelmaker, a bailout was ultimately denied. We can only act within the law. It is clear that it would be unlawful to provide a guarantee or law on the terms of requested by the company, said Prime Minister Theresa May. The government has been working tirelessly with the company with its own grey bull capital and its lenders to explore all potential options, she said. It would have been against the law to provide any further financial assistance to British Steel and prospective buyers have already been in contact, said Business Secretary Greg Clark. The UK steel industry has long struggled to be profitable in the face of high energy and labour costs. British Steel was also hit by the fallout from Brexit, with some European customers concerned about possible tariffs on their orders. At the same time, the weak pound made importing ingredients such as iron ore more expensive. More with general news, Botswana, the country with most elephants, lifts ban on hunting. The government will ensure that reinstatement of hunting is done in an orderly and ethical manner and in accordance with the law and regulations. The Ministry of Environment, Natural Resources, Conservation and Tourism said in email statement on Wednesday. The number of elephants in Botswana has almost tripled to 160,000 since 1991, increasing conflicts between farmers and the animals, which at times destroy crops and kill villages. Critics, including former President Ian 
Kama says the drive is geared to win rural votes in an October election and could damage tourism, which accounts for a fifth of the economy. The Botswana Wildlife Producers Association welcomed the decision. Conservation of our species is paramount, but the community's rights and livelihood are important as the species itself, spokesman Debbie Peake said in a text message. Other conservatives say Botswana is one of the animals lost safe havens in Africa and believe President Mokweti Masisi's motive for lifting the ban were political support for his Botswana Democratic Party in power since independence from the UK in 1966, reached a record low of 46% in the last vote in 2014. Lifting the ban would appeal to villagers struggling to keep elephants out of their field, fields and boost Masisi's popularity ahead of general elections in October. Most of Botswana's elephants live in the country's northeast and regularly cr cross into Zambia, Zimbabwe and Namibia, which have large populations of their own. If I have to give a personal opinion on that, I personally think that that would be the worst thing that the country could do. And a lot, a lot of ivory poachers and stuff would actually come into the country and from having a large number of of elephants in the country to having actually a very low, close to extinct number of countries. So that is a very, very dangerous uh, decision in terms of politics. Yes, they want to win votes and all of that, but now they're put, putting the country itself at stake. So yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Now we're going to go into politics. Ramaphosa elected South Africa president as deputies post unsure. President Cyril Ramaphosa was elected unopposed as South Africa's president by the National Assembly on Wednesday, while his deputy's future was in doubt after claims from the ruling African National Congress of wrongdoing. President Ramaphosa, who has vowed to clean up the government after his predecessor Jacob Zuma's scandal, Mod nine-year rule is due to name a new cabinet after his May 25 inauguration following the ANC's elections victory this month. Under the constitution, his deputy must be selected from the ranks of the 400 lawmakers in the National Assembly, meaning David Mabuza could be disqualified from the position. A former school teacher, Mabuza, at the age of 58, was linked to a succession of scandals while he served as prime as premier of the eastern of the eastern Pumalanga province ranging from accusations that he helped to rig internal party votes and state tenders to have his op opponents silenced and even assassinated the allegations were described in a new york times expose last year mabusa called the story baseline and has never been charged on the face of it this is very positive, said Dahl Kleiser, a politics professor at the University of Witwatersrand in Johannesburg. Mabuza is a deeply compromised individual. This certainly gives President Ramaphosa an opportunity to clean up his administration, he said. Yet the allegations that he has brought into the party into disrepute are difficult to prove. And his decision to face the ruling party's integrity commission could be part of a calculated move to strengthen him politically because he knows he will probably be cleared, says Mpumelelo Magebela, an independent political analyst. More with politics, Modi waits while largest count in the world starts. The National Democratic Alliance, NDA, led by Modi's Hindu nationalist Bharati Janata Party, BJP, is expected to surpass the 272 seats needed to command a majority in the lower house of parliament. Six of seven exit polls showed on Sunday. Predicted margin of victory is larger than surveys indicated in the run-up to the vote when the most polls showed the NDA would be the largest alliance but would fall short of an overall majority. 
Counting of votes begins at 8 o'clock local time in India and trends are expected to be known by noon because of the use of computerized voting machines. Final results in the polls in which around 9 million Indians were eligible to vote are due by the evening. Modi came into campaigning under pressure, losing three state elections in December amid rising anger over farm prices and unemployment. But after a suicide car bomb killed 40 Indian police in the concerted Kashmir, Kashmir region in February, campaigning shifted towards India's relationship with nuclear-armed rival Pakistan to the right-wing BJP's benefit, analysts said. And then more with politics, Joe Biden criticizes Kim Jong-un and North Korea calls Biden an imbecile. The criticism contrasts with North Korea's repeated references to the good relationship between uh, Kim Jong-un and President Donald Trump. Kim said in April that his personal relationship with Trump was still good despite the collapse of their second summit in Vietnam in February. Joe Biden's campaign responded to North Korea by calling the relationship between Trump and Gong Yang anti-ethical, so anti-ethical to who we are. Biden at a campaign launched in Philadelphia on Saturday said, are we a nation that embraces dictators and tyrants like Russian President Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un. Korean Central News Agency, the state media, responded to Biden's criticism in a comment late on Tuesday. What he uttered is just sophism of an imbecile, it said. Biden campaign spokesman Andrew Bates in a statement responded to the KCNA remarks repeating that Kim Jong-un is a dictator and a tyrant. Now we're gonna go into the markets. Xi warns of difficult times in US trade war. China's leader Xi Jinping has cautioned his country of difficult times ahead, dubbing it a long march. China's leader appeared to be galvanizing China against Trump's administration. With Hawaii facing the casualty list in the US-China trade war, it seems China's ability to withstand American pressure just increased considerably. If we look at what's happening on the, on the money, the currencies, with the currencies, the rand to the US dollar is trading at 14, uh, 14 rand and 43 cents and has gone down by 0.09%. The rand to the euro is trading at 16 rand and one cent and has gone up by 0.05 percent the rand to the pound is trading at 18 rand and 40 cents and has gone down by 0.07 percent the rand to the bitcoin is trading at 19,000 rand 429 and has gone down by 1.45 percent if you look at the markets all shares is trading at 49,551 and has gone down by 1.06 percent the djia is equals to 25,762 and has gone down by 0.35 percent brent crude is trading at $72.19 and has gone down by 0.10% and the gold is trading at $1,279 and has gone up by 0.06%. And that is it for this segment. Listen to this and I'll catch you right after. Oh, mm-hmm. 
worship album as above so below is out get your very own copy on itunes available on Spotify, Deezer, Apple Music and so much more. So we are looking at the 10 worst countries to be a Christian in and we've looked at countries rating from number 10 and last week we stepped into the 5 worst. And we are looking at the country that is rating at number 4 this week and the country that is rating at number 4 is uh, Libya. The region of Libya is in North Africa. The leader of Libya is Prime Minister Fayez al-Saraj. The population of Libya is 6,471,000 and out of all those people, 0.6% of them are Christians. The main religion is Islam. Government, the type of government is a transitional government and it's ranking at number four. Uh, the score out of 100 is 87 and last year it ranked at number seven. Now that is crazy. From number four to number seven, that is a whole lot of stuff. Now, this could possibly mean that countries got better and nothing really changed for Libya or Libya got worse. And it, the previous score, last year's score, was 86 out of 100. The civil war in Libya has been going on since 2011. Organized crime thieves and Islamic extremists violently attack and kidnap Christians. Believers caught evangelizing can be arrested. All Libyans are considered to be Muslims. Christian converts from Islam must hide their faith, especially from family. Many risk their lives to follow Jesus and must consider fleeing the country. Now that is, um, that is crazy. That is something crazy to think about. And if we, look, if we carry on looking at uh, what's happening in Libya, we look at how it previously ranked from 2015. 2015, it was at number 13. So at, in 2015, it did not even reach the 10 worst countries. Yes, it was in the top 20, but it was at number 13, and the score out of 100 was 76. In 2016, it had gone into the top 10 and ranked at number 10, and the score out of 100 was 79. In 2017, it ranked at number 11, and the score out of 100 was 78. In 2018, which was last year, and we looked at it, it ranked at number 7, and the score was 86. And this year, it is ranking at number 4. Can you imagine? At number 4, and the score is 87. If we look at the political landscape of Libya, we see that Libya is still a state of anarchy. 
the long-running civil war in Libya between several militant groups aligned with at least three rival governments, meaning that the country offers a safe haven for Islamic militant groups that are working to destabilize the whole region. The continued state of anarchy makes it probable that Christians will continue to be persecuted in Libya and it also provides a base of operations for militant groups to attack Christians in neighboring countries. Now that is scary. For the major parties involved in the conflict, Prime Minister Fayez al-Saraj, head of the UN-backed unity government based in Tripoli, uh, Khalifa Haftar, a military strongman commanding the Libyan National Army, which uh, dominates the country's east. We also have Aguila Saleh Issa, the parliament speaker based in the eastern city of Tobrak, who opposes the UN-backed administration, and Khalid al-Mishri, head of the High Council of State, Libya's highest consultative body formed from from the 2012 parliament. They have agreed on a roadmap that should have led to the resolution of the conflict and national elections in 2018. After violent unrest in September 2018, the elections have been postponed to spring 2019. Although no official date has yet been set, while there is a great deal of apprehension and uncertainty about the extent to which the deal will be effectively implemented, it can still be considered as an encouraging step towards future peace and stability. And that is it about Libya. Now we're going to go into the discussion panel. And like I said, I'm speaking about something different. What I'm about to speak about, you usually find in our other show, which is the Not So Tech Tech Show. And I'm going to be speaking about the feud between Huawei and Google. And the headline has come up about how Huawei could end up challenging Google's dominance. The Chinese smartphone maker might be forced to develop the Android rival the EU is hoping for. By imposing restrictions on Huawei Technology Co- Technologies Corporation, the, admi- the administration of US President Donald Trump may force the Chinese company to do something that no one in tech has dared to do for a long time, challenge Google's control of the Android universe, which earned the U.S. company a huge European fine last year. So what this is basically saying is that the Chinese, because of this whole ban that has happened and stuff, are willing to challenge Google. Now, if you know the Chinese, they're crazy. The things that they invent, the the type of technologies that they come up with, and all these AI systems and all this stuff they could possibly win the challenge. Now, Hawaii faces two big threats from U.S. technology export restrictions. One is the loss of American components for its products, a blow it cannot parry immediately if it wants to keep making top-flight smartphones. The other is the potential withdrawal of its Android license, which would stop Huawei from pre-installing the latest Google-approved version of the operating system and some key services Western users see as necessary. The other is the potential withdrawal of its Android license, which would stop Huawei from pre-installing the latest Google-approved version of the operating system and some key services Western users see as necessary. This particular obstacle could, under the right conditions, turn into a Huawei strength in Europe, a market that accounts for almost a third of the company's smartphone unit sales, according to the market analytic company IDC. Now we see that last year, the European Commission fined Google 4.34 billion euros, which is equivalent to 4.85 billion dollars, for imposing illegal restrictions on smartphone manufacturers. In exchange for the right to pre-install the Play Store, they had to agree, among other things, not to sell devices running versions of Android not approved by Google. These operating systems are developed from the 
open source version of Android which anyone can use, including Huawei in the U.S. bans if the U.S. bans it from using American technology. Amazon.com Incorporated Fire OS is the best known Android fork today, though there are others around. The commission wrote that by obstructing the development of Android forks, Google and its parent company Alphabet Incorporated closed off an important channel for competitors to introduce apps and services, in particular general search services, which could be pre-installed on Android forks in its ruling. It made a strong case for forks at pl as platforms for Google independent innovations that, if they were allowed to spread widely, could have curbed Google's market dominance in various areas. We also see that Google has appealed the ruling, but it has also removed restrictions on handset makers to avoid further fines. This, however, hasn't led to the proliferation of alternative platforms based on open source Android. Big phone makers are locked into comfortable relationship with Google and see no need to experiment. Days after the European Union fined Google, Huawei, at the same time the biggest phone manufacturer that provided an easy opportunity to install alternative Android-based operating systems on its device ended the program without explanation. If Google takes away the Android license, it'll yank Huawei out of its comfort zone. The company isn't likely to give up the European market without a fight after spending billions of dollars developing a customer base. Customers in some European countries now appear to be put off Huawei by the US attack, although paradoxically it appears to have fueled the brand's popularity in France. The company has said it developed its own operating system and it's been trying to lure developers to its app store. If the US stops Huawei from pre-installing the Play Store, the Chinese manufacturer probably won't spend much time educating consumers on how to install it on their own. That's not what most users expect on a new expensive device. Instead, Huawei will want to offer developers an easy way to sell apps, not just in the Google Store, but also in one pre-installed on Huawei devices to multi-home them. Huawei hasn't been eager to get into an open confrontation with Google, which was a valued partner, but a breakup ordered by the US government changes, thing, changes things. Huawei was pl with plenty of resources of its own and most likely with support from the Chinese government determined to fight back against the US could soon be investing heavily in the marketing and improvement of, a, of an Android fork. Given Huawei's potential, the effort isn't the effort isn't necessarily doomed. And it could boost the Asian and European developers deterred from competing in some areas such as mapping, video services, or even search by Google's enormous power. The pushback in the recent years against the US technology companies, relentless data collection and the widespread mistrust of Trump's administration in Europe, they could well be they, they could well be demand for a Google free phone from a major manufacturer known for superior hardware. This is something of a utopian scenario. Huawei may never need to go to war path against Google. The US and China could strike a trade deal that would make the specter of restrictions go away. Or if Huawei is banned from buying US technology, it could find itself unable to produce marketable phones for a while. And of course, it is a company from communist China making it difficult for European regulators and even for private developers to embrace it as a savior from the overlay dominant US technology 
companies. Monopolies in tech don't last forever, however. Sometimes they just need a push to start showing cracks. If the US moves against Huawei, it might be unknowingly giving such a push to Google in the smartphone market. But there is good news out of this. The French basically have taken a liking to the phone because of this. So we, we, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know if there's still going to be a Huawei phone in the future. Hopefully there is because it's a good phone. Uh, if China decides to come up with a software like Google or whatever, then that's going to also be cool. That's going to be cool if they have their own store and everything. So we're going to see what's going to happen with that. I'm sure they're going to speak about it in the not-so-tech-tech tech show. And yeah, that is it for the show. This is where I say goodbye. Oh, no. This, I don't say goodbye yet. I promised you guys last week that I would speak about some of the comments that I got from the show about sex education with young kids and I was actually quite shocked. I'm going to read some of the responses that I got. The first person actually said that they totally disagree with what the government wants to do with our kids because it's not fair to them, it's not fair to the parents and it's also taking away the responsibility that the parents has to speak to the child about this whole thing. And I totally agree with that comment where it's the parent's duty to sit the child down. So if the parent feels that at the age of 13 is fine for the child to know about what's happening and all these sexual things, then it's cool. Then the parent will sit with the child at home and be like, listen, this is what happens. Babies don't come from stalks and this is what happens. You're about to go into grade 10 and all these things and they're going to teach you about stuff. So let me speak to you about it. But to tell, for me to send my child to school and then my child comes back and then they, they know all of these things, no, that's not fair to me as a parent. And then another person said, and this shocked me. I was like so shocked. I was like, what? This person is like, I agree with this whole thing. I feel like they, it's about time that they start teaching our kids from a young age because already the kids' minds are already being destroyed. Now, I was like whoa, what? You agree with nine people who are in grade nine, four-year-olds learning about sex because their minds are already messed up? I think you're just making things worse. Because if we have 13-year-olds that are looking like 21-year-olds and now we're teaching them from the age of four how to act like a, a married person, how will they be when they're 13? So there's something wrong with this person. I really think there's something wrong. And I, I've had so many comments and people actually messaging me and telling me that, listen, this is what I think. This is why a lot of people disagree, which I'm happy with. And a lot of people actually also agree. Maybe like 10% of the comments that I received were like, I agree. But most of them were like, listen, we can't do this. We have, we, we can't allow this, the, the, the school system to change so much so that they're actually speaking to our kids about that. So yeah, that's what happened with that. And if you have um, more to say about what's happening with the Huawei and Google feud and all this stuff, please do comment on the post on my Instagram page at Cynthia underscore gigs or on my story uh, on my Instagram page. You can also comment on the Active FM page in, on Instagram at Active FM triple seven. You can find Active FM on Facebook, Active FM triple seven. We are also on Twitter at Active FM triple seven. You can catch us on our website www.activefm.co.za and you can catch the show on Ayono FM. If you go onto Ayono FM, search for Active FM, you'll find all our amazing shows. Click on the new show, download the new show, share it, tell your whole neighborhood about it. I'm your girl Cynthia, but you know you can call me Gix and I'm signing out. Peace. Rapid Trade is passionate about mobility and solutions that make a difference in your business. From mobile sales and sales management to van sales and proof of delivery. For, For a, a demo, demo, call Rapid, Rapid Trade on 011-493-9755. Rapid, Rapid Trade, ahead, ahead of the game. The game. You, are now, you are now locked in to the mix. mix. With Divinity. Divinity. Divinity promo. Faith. Love. Music. 
Will we understand? Will we? Understand? 